All right, brothers and sisters, welcome to another episode of Bible Question and Answers. Today, we're going to focus on one book of the Holy Bible, the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. How many here are familiar with the prophet Hosea? Probably not too many of us because the prophets we know, Isaiah, right? Um, who else do we know? Zechariah. Who else? Jeremiah, but who on earth is Hosea? We're going to find out, and we're going to learn all about the meaning of his prophecies as it pertains to the work of the assembly of Yahusha. So let's go first to the question that was raised by one of our viewers. Uh, good day, Brother John. My question is about Hosea, uh, chapters 11 and 12. In these chapters, you can feel Abba Yahuwah's love for Israel, his nation. And that is very true. If you read the book of Hosea, one thing I promise you, you're going to see the heart of Abba, how much he loves his people, Israel. You can feel a father's devotion to his children, but you can also feel his hurt, and that breaks my heart. Paul. So whoever submitted this question has already read the book of Hosea, and he or she can feel that love that Yahuwah God has for his people. So we do recommend that you read the book of Hosea and be prepared to be shocked by the depths that Yahuwah God would go through for the sake of his covenant people. So the question, before we go to the first question, some background information on the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea was written about 765 BC, which takes us about 40 years before the Assyrian captivity. So Hosea was a prophet sent by Yahuwah God for the sake of his people, Israel. Remember, there were two houses, the house of Judah and the house of Israel. Which house fell first? The house of Israel. They fell to the Assyrians, and so they were in captivity by Assyria. This took place uh, 40 years after 765 BC. So roughly, the estimates that we give are estimates. Obviously, we cannot give with 100% certainty about these dates. But one thing we know is Hosea was sent by God so that the people of Israel would repent and return to him. That's the whole book of Hosea. I'm sure you are familiar with a passage in the book of Hosea. You probably say, no, Brother John, I don't think I've ever studied the book of Hosea. But from the place we came from, we actually often go to Hosea for one particular verse. Do you remember what that is? Let me read that verse to you, and then you get an idea about what I mean. Hosea 11, verse 9. I will not execute the fiercest of my anger. Does that sound familiar now? Yeah? I will not again, I will not execute the fiercest of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. So we often bring up Hosea 11, 9. To bring up the topic or the truth that Yahuwah God is God and not man. So it's part of our Christology doctrine. However, when you look at Hosea 11.9, when it speaks about Ephraim, it's so much deeper than that. Truth of the matter is the context of Hosea 11.9 is not about the nature of who God is, but his relationship with Ephraim. Now, you might be wondering why is this relationship with Ephraim so significant? It turns out the book of Hosea, the entire book of Hosea, is about Yahuwah's 
loving relationship with Ephraim. You might be saying, why Ephraim? Who was Ephraim? Well, let's go to the first question. My questions are, uh, why does God call Israel, Ephraim, Judah, Jacob, and Israel? Does Abba refer to a particular tribe who done him wrong? So let's answer the first question. Why is Yahuwah, why does Yahuwah God call Israel, Ephraim, Judah, Jacob, Israel? Let's find out in Genesis 35, 10 to 12. Remember, Yahuwah God made a covenant with Abraham that Yahuwah will make him into uh, many nations, right? But of course, he died, but the covenant was passed on to Isaac. And Isaac, the covenant that Yahuwah God made with Isaac was passed on to who? Jacob. And here it is, 35, 10 to 12. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also, God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and king shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you, and to your descendants after you, I give this land. And so the covenant that Yahuwah God made to Abraham, to Isaac, was given also to Jacob. Before this covenant was established with Jacob, what did Yahuwah God do first? He changed his name from Jacob to what? Israel. He says, you're Jacob. That's your name, but I'm going to change it. From now on, your name is Israel. And so when we read Jacob, it can also refer to Israel, right? Because Yahuwah God made a covenant with Jacob. And when Yahuwah God makes a covenant, he often uses a name. This is why the names that Yahuwah God chooses. When Yahuwah God tells you, choose this name. When Yahuwah God says, I will change his name to this name, it's significant. And we will find out later on how significant that is. But for now, we know Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And so Israel or Jacob eventually would die. Right before the patriarch would die, what would they do? They would impart the blessing. In this case, it would be prophetic. And so, when Jacob was about to die, what did he do? What happened to him? Genesis 48 1 to 4. Now, it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father, who's that? Jacob, Israel, is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, blessed me and said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. And I will make you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. And so when he was about to die, he's getting old, he's sickly. Uh, Joseph comes to him and he tells Joseph about the covenant that Jehovah God made with him there at Luke's. And so he has something to do. He needs to impart now the blessing of the firstborn. And so who does Jacob select? 
to receive the blessing of the firstborn. Well, Brother John, why not give, in, give it to the firstborn? Well, who was the firstborn of Jacob? Who was it? Wasn't it Reuben? But Reuben defiled his bed. And so he became disqualified to receive the blessing of the firstborn. So to whom was it given to? 48, 5 to 6. And now your two sons, speaking of Joseph, because after all, Joseph was the savior, right? The family was saved because of Joseph. And so Jacob really loved Joseph. And so he tells him, give me your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt. What does he say? They are mine. He's claiming Ephraim and Manasseh, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring whom you beget after them shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. And so here's Ephraim and Manasseh, who are the grandsons of Jacob, and they are to receive the blessing of the firstborn. And so when the blessing was to be given, what unusual thing did Jacob do? Let's read 48, 14, and 16. Then Israel, who's that again? Jacob, right? Then Israel, Jacob, stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly from Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked the God who has fed me all my life, uh, my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And so here's Israel, here's Jacob imparting the blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh. What strange thing, unusual thing did Jacob do? He placed his right hand instead of the older one, the firstborn Manasseh, he gives it to who? Ephraim, the younger one. And he places his left hand to who? Manasseh. It was supposed to be the other way. The right hand was supposed to go to Manasseh being the firstborn, but instead he switches it. And so who notices this? Let's read the book of Genesis 48, 17 to 19. Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one, Manasseh, is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head, on Manasseh's head. But his father, Jacob, Israel, refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He may be old, but he was still of sound mind, right? I know, my son, I know what I'm doing. He also shall become a people, Manasseh, and he shall also be great. But truly, truly, his younger brother, who's that? Ephraim, shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And so when Jacob was giving the blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph, who noticed that the right hand was upon Ephraim, he kind of reacted to that. And he said to Jacob, I think you're making a mistake, but Jacob knew what he was doing. Israel said to Joseph, the younger, who is that? 
Ephraim is going to receive the blessing because inspired by the Ruach or the Holy Spirit, Jacob knew that the blessing of the firstborn is to be given by Yahuwah's will to who? Ephraim. So Ephraim would become a multitude of nations. I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to go there again and again throughout not only this Bible study, but in the future Bible studies we're going to study. Ephraim is going to be a multitude of nations. But when shall this come to pass? Well, when we look at the blessings, which is prophetic, that was imparted by Jacob to his sons, 49 verse 1, when will it come to pass? And Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. And so according to the Holy Scriptures, the prophetic or blessed declarations that Jacob imparted upon his sons, it will be fulfilled in the last days, especially that part when it comes to Ephraim becoming a multitude of nations and Judah becoming a scepter or one who, from whom the king of the, the kingship or the Messiah will come from. So two important roles, Ephraim and Judah. I want you to keep that in mind. Eventually, what would happen to the people of Israel? Eventually, they would go to, ex, uh, go to Egypt. In Egypt, they would grow become mighty, they'd be oppressed. Yahuwah God sends Moses, sets them free. They go through the wilderness, eventually occupy the promised land. The promised land, they'd become a kingdom, right? As they were a kingdom, they flourished for 120 years, and then they split. What happened after the split? Who became the king of what parts? In 1 Kings 11, 26, 31 to 32, also Jeroboam, son of Nebat, rebelled against the king. He was one of Solomon's officials, an Ephraimite. Did you get that? He was an Ephraimite from Zerada, and his mother was a widow named Zeruah. Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what Yahuwah, the God of Israel, said. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe. That would be Judah, but Benjamin tagged along. Okay, it'd be Judah. And so eventually we would have two houses. What would these two houses be called? Jeremiah eleven seventeen. for Yahuwah of hosts who planted you has pronounced doom against you for the evil of the house of Israel and of the house of Judah, which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense to Baal. So after the split, after the death of Solomon, we have two kingdoms, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, right? How many comprise the house of Israel? 10 tribes. How about the house of Judah? Two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Perhaps some Levites were there as well. And so we have mainly the house of, it's called Judah. And so Judah can also refer to Israel 
and Israel can also refer to Judah. However, when Yahuwah is making prophecies, he specifies which house. When it mentions house of Israel, it's the 10 tribes. When he says house of Judah, it's Judah, uh, the tribe, and Benjamin, okay? But collectively, they can be also called the, ho the house of Israel, or Israel as a whole. It can get very confusing sometimes, right? And so we have house of Judah, house of Israel. It turns out house of Israel often, especially in Hosea, is referred to as Ephraim. Yeah, so Ephraim in Hosea is not just referring to the one tribe, but all 10 tribes of the house of Israel. And so when he was, when Yahuwah God was speaking about Ephraim, he was speaking about who? Israel, the 10 tribes specifically, exclusive of Judah, but the 10 tribes of Israel. And what does Yahuwah God call Ephraim? The 10 tribes of Israel. Jeremiah 31 verse 9, they shall come with weeping and with supplications, I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, right? And Ephraim is my firstborn. Why is Ephraim his firstborn? Because the blessings of the firstborn was given to Ephraim. This is why throughout scripture, we need to be specific when we say Israel. Are you referring to Israel, the man who is Jacob? Are you referring to Israel, who is both the house of Israel, the house of Judah? Are you referring to the house of Israel, the 10 tribes? Or are you, which is Ephraim? This is why when it says Ephraim, it's referring to the 10 tribes of Israel. Okay, so that's the first question. Does uh, the other question, number one, is does Abba refer to a particular tribe who had done him wrong? So in the book of Hosea, when it's speaking about the sins, whose sins was Yahuwah God focusing on for the prophet Hosea? Hosea 4, 16 and 17, for Israel is stubborn like a stubborn calf. And Yahuwah will let them forage like a lamb in open country. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. So he was speaking about the specific sins of Israel, which is Ephraim, the 10 tribes of Israel. So Hosea is not about Judah. It's mostly like 90% of it is about who? About Ephraim or the 10 tribes of Israel. And what did he say about the house of Judah? Ephraim has encircled me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. So Ephraim and house of Israel, they're the same. Okay. But Judah still walks with God, even with the Holy One who is faithful. Take note of the time when Hosea was written. At this time, Judah did not fall yet, right? At this time, uh, Israel did not fall yet. This is 40 years before the captivity. And so God was giving Israel the opportunity to repent and to return. This is why God sent Hosea. And so Yahuwah God cannot be blamed if despite the fact that uh, he sent prophets to warn them, they did not, re they did not repent and they did not return to Yahuwah. That's not Yahuwah God's fault. That's because of the stubbornness of the people of Israel. At this point, Judah was still walking with God, right? And this is why in Hosea 1, 6 to 7, the Bible says that uh, I will have mercy on the house of Judah, but I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel. This is why 
Israel, Ephraim fell first. But eventually, what would happen to both houses? For Yahuwah of hosts who planted you has pronounced doom against you for the evil of the house of Israel and of the house of Judah. Because both houses, Israel as a whole, provoke Yahuwah to anger. Because both succumb to idolatry and they worship other gods like Baal. And so eventually both houses fell into captivity, Assyria and Babylon. And so they did not remain the people of God. Okay, let's go to question number two. Who is Adma and Zeboim? Okay, that's a very interesting question. And it comes from Hosea 11, 8 to 9. Yahuwah God, speaking of Ephraim. Who's Ephraim again? The ten tribes. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? You see the connection there? Ephraim is Israel. How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zeboim? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is steered. I will not execute the fiercest of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. And so here, Yahuwah God, you can see that Yahuwah God is very much concerned with Ephraim. God gave Ephraim many opportunities to repent, but they rejected. They spurned the love of Yahuwah God. And so what did Yahuwah God want to do? He wants to turn Israel to, to become like Adma. He wants to turn Ephraim to become like Zeboim. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? To become like Adma, to become like Zeboim. That's a punishment. Why? Well, when Yahuwah God was speaking here, Oh, Israel, how can I hand you over? How can I give you to punishment like Adma and Zeboim? Yahuwah God, because of his holiness. That's what he wanted to do. But he relented because of his love for Ephraim. I will not again destroy Ephraim because of my anger. So he was relenting, even though Ephraim deserved to be punished like Adma and Zebuim. Well, wait a minute. Who's Adma? Who's Zebuim? Well, let's read the book of Genesis 10, 19. And the border of the Canaanites was for, from Sidon as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza. Then as you go toward Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zebuim, as far as Asha. So who were Adma and Zebuim? They were not people. They were name of, names of places, cities within the vicinity of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right next to it is Adma and Zeboim. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? We know, we know Genesis 19, 28 to 29. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. And so the Bible mentions the cities of the plain. Sodom is included. Gomorrah is included. But other cities were also included. What cities were they? Adma and Zebuim. Why do we know that for sure? Deuteronomy 29-23. The whole land is brimstone, salt, and burning. It is not sown, nor does it bear. 
nor does any grass grow there. Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which Yahuwah overthrew in his anger and his wrath. And so Adma and Zeboim refers to the cities next to Sodom and Gomorrah, who also were destroyed by brimstone and fire and burning. And so Yahuwah God was saying, I don't want Ephraim. I don't want to give Ephraim up to become like Sodom and Gomorrah. You get it? Does that ring a bell? I do not want Ephraim. I do not want the 10 tribes of Israel to be like Sodom and Gomorrah, to be like Adma and Zeboim. So that's what Adma and Zeboim refers to. Uh, number three, if one tribe sinned or made a mistake, would the rest of the tribe suffer the consequences of one's tribe's iniquity or sin? Yes, the consequences of sin affects everyone. But Yahuwah God's judgment of sin, that is personal. Okay, But the consequence of sin can be felt collectively. Why is that? Corinthians 5, 6 to 7. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. So the Bible tells us that sin destroys the sinner, but it also affects those who are with that sinner, right? How so? Because of the influence of sin. What is the influence of sin? If the person who has committed sin influences others to commit the same sin, is that destructive? Absolutely. And that's the power of the influence of sin. This is why what is the instruction of Apostle Paul? Those who are sinners and do not want to repent, remove them from your group. This is the instruction of Apostle Paul. Why? Why must we not be involved or associated with, quote, unquote, sinners, which is why we need to apply spiritual discernment at all times. Corinthians 15, 33, 34. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. See, this is what happened to Israel and Judah. Idolatry became rampant first in Israel. But the, uh, those who lived in Judah, they got influenced by their sin. Not only that, both Israel and Judah were influenced by the idolatry of the culture in Canaan. That's because during the days of the conquest, they did not completely remove the idolatry that was there in conjunction with the instruction of Yahuwah God. They only removed most of it, but not all of it. It came back to bite them. And so sin that was eradicated, it influenced both the southern and northern kingdoms, Judah and Israel. So we know sin influences. But when it comes to Yahuwah God's judgment, especially on the day of judgment, we're going to face the judgment seat of God and we will be accountable for our own sins. When Yahuwah God makes judgment now here on earth, is he right in his judgment? What do you say? Absolutely. He's perfectly just. How is this demonstrated? Genesis 18, 22 to 25. Then the men turned away from there 
and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood there before Yahuwah. And Abraham came near and said, uh, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose they were, there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Here's Abraham. And truth of the matter is what Abraham did here is pretty bold, right? He's making himself as though he was more righteous and just than who? Yehovah God. What did Yehovah God tell, uh, say to Abraham? I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And then here's Abraham. He was concerned. And I think a lot of us, if we're going to admit it, when we read the Bible, many of us tend to think like Abraham, right? We tend to question God for what he does. Why is God going to do that? Why is he going to kill newborns? Why is he going to kill all, this, all the Amalekites? Are you kidding me? And so we have this idea, maybe Yahuwah God is not righteous after all. And so Abraham, being human, we being human, we have the tendency to question God, right? And so here's Yahuwah God being patient with Abraham. So he entertains Abraham's thought process, right? And so Abraham suggests to him, if there are 50, then why would you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are 50? Why would you do that? It would not be a just thing to do. So what does Yahuwah God say? Genesis 18, 26, 29. Yahuwah answered, if I find 50 innocent people in Sodom, I will spare the whole city for their sake. Abraham spoke again. Please forgive my boldness in continuing to speak uh, to you, Lord. I'm only a man and have no right to say anything. But perhaps there will be only 45 innocent people instead of 50. Will you destroy the whole city because there are, few, uh, there are five too few? Yahuwah answered, I will not destroy the city if I find 45 innocent people. Abraham spoke again, perhaps there will be only 40. He replied, I will not destroy it if there are 40. So here's Abraham because Yahuwah responds by saying, if I find 50, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then here's Abraham. He comes back. He's really bold, right? He says, what if you find 45? Okay, who says, I will not destroy if I find 45. Well, how about 40? I will not destroy if I find 40. But Abraham continues, 30 to 33. Abraham said, please don't be angry, Lord, but I must speak again. You see how Abraham, he, he's, you know, think he's still in that mode where he's questioning Yahuwah Abba about his decision. He already made a decision, right? to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Yahuwah God is entertaining his thought process to reveal something to all of us reading this passage today, okay? Abraham said, please don't be angry, Lord, but I must speak again. What if there are only 30? He said, I will not do it if I find 30. Abraham said, please forgive my boldness in continuing to speak to you, Lord. Suppose that only 20 are found. He said, I will not destroy the city if I find 20. Abraham said, please don't be angry, Lord, and I will speak only once more. What if only 10 are found? He said, I will not destroy it if there are 10. After he had finished speaking with Abraham, Yahuwah went away and Abraham returned home. And so Abraham was able to bring it all the way to 10. And so maybe he thought, victory. I convinced Yahuwah not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, how many did Yahuwah God find? 
in Sodom and Gomorrah who were righteous. Ten, nine, eight, only one. And that one is questionable. <laughs> who was that? Lot, <laughs> right? Lot. So for the sake of one, he did not find ten. He found only one. But what did Yahuwah God do? He set apart Lot. He set apart that one survivor, right? But destroyed the rest. And so this should give us an idea. Yahuwah God did not restore, right? He did not restore Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and set apart the one. He removed Lot. He removed those whom Yahuwah God wanted to save out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to think about that about this pattern of Sodom and Gomorrah, because we're going to come back to that later on, okay, in our studies today. And so what must we understand about Yahuwah God's decision? It is righteous. It is just. We cannot say to God, why did you kill this person or destroy the city? He knows. He knows what he's doing more than we do. We have to understand that and accept that about the decisions of Yahuwah our God. The truth is Yahuwah God is more merciful than we think. Look at Ezekiel 22, 30, 31. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But, and here's a big but, but I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord, Yahuwah. And so Yahuwah God, before he destroys, before he carries out his vengeance, he always looks for one, one who will stand in the gap, who would make the wall, who would influence the others. But in this case, there was none. And so what happened to Judah and Israel? Both fell. Okay, so we need to, whenever Yahuwah God executes his judgment, it's not without mercy. It's not without grace. It's always going to be there, but it's been rejected by so many people. We need to learn this lesson. When Yahuwah God gives us a warning, we need to embrace the grace and the opportunity Yahuwah God is giving us. Okay, number four. Or this verse would apply to the remaining brethren who are faithful to Abba. Isaiah 65 verse 8. Not too sure about what the question is there. Um, I've asked this question because I remember in our BHP or worship service, you warned us about the sin of one person in the group. Yeah, it can influence. It's like a, the, the leaven, the yeast, right, in the whole dough. And also, I remember the former church. Okay. So Isaiah 65, verse 8 is applied here. So what does Isaiah 65, verse 8 say? But I will not destroy them all. Of course, says uh, Yahuwah, for just as good grapes are found among a cluster of bad ones. And someone will say, don't throw them all away. Some of those grapes are good. So I will not destroy all Israel for I still have true servants there, right? And so that's, that was the question that was asked. And the question I wanna ask is what happened uh, from that cluster of grapes? What happened to that cluster of grapes? What happened to the cluster of grapes? Was it destroyed? Yeah. But before destroying the cluster of grapes, he set apart what? The good grapes. That's why Yahuwah God says, I will not destroy them all. What does that mean? There are true servants who were spared. Those 
True servants, what are they called? Those who are different from the rest. What is that called? Remnant. The remnant. You know, the idea of remnants is an expression of Yahuwah God's justice, righteousness, mercy, and love. This is why instead of throwing away the whole grape, the whole cluster, he sets apart the remnant, the true servants who are still there. Okay, and which is what the book of Hosea is all about. It tells us about so many things. What does Hosea, what is the book of Hosea all about? Well, two things I want to mention here. Number one, it's about his steadfast, steadfast love and affection that Yahuwah has for Israel, for Ephraim. Okay, I want that to, when you read it, you will feel it like the, the one who asked the question, posed and said and commented. You will feel it when you read the book of Hosea. Number two, it also is prophetic because it tells us what will happen to Israel, to Ephraim. It's prophetic history. And so let's go with number one. Hosea wrote the book of Hosea to remind the Israelites that Yahuwah is a loving God whose loyalty to his covenant people is unwavering. In spite of Israel's continuing turning to false gods, Yahuwah's steadfast love is portrayed in the long-suffering husband of the unfaithful wife. This is why what we see in the outset, uh, Yahuwah portrays himself as the husband and also the father of Israel, okay, um, to, to show us so that we can get a kind of an understanding of what Yahuwah, what, what his long-suffering actually means so that we can appreciate his long-suffering. And this is what Hosea 1 verse 2 says. When Yahuwah began to speak through Hosea, Yahuwah said to him, go, take yourself an adulterous wife. <laughs> so here's Hosea, a prophet. And Yahuwah God tells him, I want you to marry an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness. Because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from Yahuwah. Take note, this is a, an exception, really. <laughs> To the command. Yahuwah God is going to show us what he is feeling. He's going to show us what he's experiencing with Israel through a symbol, a metaphor that is Hosea marrying an, adulter an adulterous wife. Why was he instructed to do that? Because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from Yahuwah. And so Yahuwah God wants us to understand, wants us to understand what he's feeling concerning his relationship with Israel, okay? So what does Hosea do? So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So what does um, Hosea do? Marries a, an adulterer. What's her name? Gomer. Gomer's a harlot. He marries Gomer, the harlot, and they have kids together. How many kids? Three kids. First one, Jezreel. A daughter by the name of Lo Ruhama, and then a son by the name of Lo Ami. So Jezreel, Lo Ruhama, Lo Ami. And so they have a family, right? Here's Hosea with Gomer. They have a family together, one big happy family forever. Is that true? Well, what does Gomer do after this? Well, Gomer decides to leave Hosea and go back to her adulteries. And so if that was you, I mean, if you were 
Hosea and Gomer, your wife, did this. I mean, how would you feel? Truth is, according to the law of Moses, what should happen to Gomer? She should be stoned to death. She should be killed, right? And so what does Yahuwah God instruct uh, Hosea to do? Hosea 3.1, Yahuwah, Yahuwah said to me, go, show your love to your wife again. Yahuwah tells her, don't abandon her. Yes, she committed all this adultery. She has turned her back on you. She has been faithless. She practiced infidelity. But then Yahuwah God says, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as Yahuwah loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. I don't know what those raisin cakes are. But Yahuwah God is showing Hosea the type of love that he's showing Israel, Ephraim. What kind of love is that? Unwavering love, right? Even though Israel deserves punishment and death, Yahuwah God says, I'm going to show my love. And so Yahuwah tells Hosea, go back to your love, uh, to your wife again and redeem her. Just like my love for Israel, Yahuwah will redeem Israel again. So what does Hosea do? So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. And I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will live with you. And so what does Hosea do? He redeems his wife again, Gomer. And so they live together. However, there are stipulations. What are they? She must not be a prostitute again, must not be intimate with any man again, and I will live with you. And so Yahuwah God is merciful, right? But he's also just. And so he's telling Hosea to tell Gomer that she must live a good way of life from now on. So they, she needs to respect the commands of Yahuwah our God. And so because of Yahuwah God's love for Ephraim, now this makes sense. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zeboim? My heart turns within me. My sympathy is steered. I will not execute the fiercest of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. And so because of the love that Jehovah God has for Ephraim, he will not completely destroy Israel. They will not be like Adma. They will not be like what? Zeboim, which is very similar to Isaiah 1, 8 to 9. The ox knows its owner and the donkey is master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless Yahuwah of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. And so what Yahuwah God is telling us is Israel in the future. Because there are future Israelites that we need to understand. Most of them are going to turn their back on Yahuwah God. But there will be a very small remnant. He will set them apart. And from them, they will continue the worship of God. 
So the Israelites, the Ephraimites, Ephraim, they're very special to Yahuwah, our God. He showed, Yahuwah God showed his love for the 10 tribes by means of the book of Hosea. So if you want to know uh, Yahuwah's love for the 10 tribes, look at the book of Hosea. So that's number one. Number two, it's also a prophecy about Israel. What is this prophecy about? Let's go back to Hosea 1-2. Remember, Yahuwah God tells uh, Hosea to marry Gomer, right? And so he does, and they have a kid together. What's the name? What did Yahuwah God say? So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibalaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then Yahuwah said to him, call his name Jezreel. Want to pause it for a while? Remember what we said at the outset? When Yahuwah God says, I'm going to change your name from this name to this name, it's, it's going to be very significant. When he gives you a name to give, it's going to be very significant because it has a meaning, right? And it has prophetic meaning. And so it can guide us so that we can know what to do today. This is why this is so beautiful, the book of Hosea. And so here, the Bible says, call his name, what's his name? Jezreel, for in a little while... I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And so Yahuwah God in Hosea chapter 1 is basically going up, is giving us a linear timeline of what's going to happen to Ephraim, the 10 tribes of Israel. Okay, If you want to know the history of Israel, read chapter 1 of the book of Hosea. And so it begins with Israel uh, rejecting God. And then Yahuwah God says, I'm going to put an end to the kingdom of Israel. But before he does that, Yahuwah God tells Hosea to name their son Jezreel. I wonder why. Why is he named Jezreel? What is the meaning of Jezreel? Well, if we go to Blue Letter Bible, Jezreel, Hebrew 3157, what does it mean? It actually means God sows. So before putting an end to Israel, Yahuwah God is going to sow something. I want you to keep that in mind. Jezreel means God sows. Okay, so that was the first child. The next child, 1-6, and she conceived again and bore a daughter. Then God said to him, call her name Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. And so the first child's name is God Sos. And then Lo Ruhama is given as the name for the daughter. What does Lo Ruhama mean? In the Blue Letter Bible, Hebrew 3819, which means no mercy. And so God Sos, right? Israel is no longer receiving mercy from Yehovah God. Not only that, now when she was, uh, when she weaned, Lo Ruhama, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, call his name Lo Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. And so the third child, the son, is to be called Lo Ami. What does Lo Ami mean? Hebrew 3818, Lo Ami means not my people. And so the, the children of Gomer and Hosea are Jezreel. Lo Ruhama and Lo Ami. Jezreel means God sows. Lo Ruhama means no mercy. Lo Ami means not a people. And so before putting an end to the kingdom of Ephraim or Israel, God sows. Okay. 
and then he will show no mercy to the people because they are no longer considered his people. So he's basically divorcing Ephraim, the people of Israel, from his covenant, no longer a people. And what will happen to Israel? Let's read Isaiah 7, 8. How will Yahuwah God sow? For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken so that it will not be a people. They will not be, they will be lo-ami, not a people. They will be broken, scattered, and sown in other lands. So that's what's going to happen to Hosea. But Hosea is not finished. You might be saying, it looks like it's a, a, not a good ending for Israel. Well, actually, Yahuwah God's not yet finished. Because after giving names to these children of Hosea and Gomer, what does Yahuwah God say next? In 1 verse 10, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. So they shall be prolific. They will no longer be a people of God. They will no longer receive the mercy of God, but they, were, they will grow as a people, which cannot be measured in number. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There it shall be said to them, you are sons of the living God. And so because of Yahuwah God's work of sowing, planting, right? What would that mean? It would mean in the future, he would reap what he planted. And so in the future, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, time will come when you will again become the sons of the living God. This is why when our king Yahushua was sent here on earth, what was his purpose? Of course, to die for the sins of the world, right? But not many people know that Yahuwah God was, that Yahushua was also sent for another purpose. What is that? This is the unknown purpose of uh, the, un, this, this is a purpose of our King Yahushua that not many people are aware of. They all know Yahushua died for our sins, right? Yahushua died for our sins. But not only that, take a look at this, Matthew 15, 24. But he answered, that's Yahushua, and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember at this time when Yahushua was in Judea, most of who were there were from the house of Judah. Benjamin. Yes, there were a handful of, there were some, a few, who came from, the, from the, the tribes of Israel, from Ephraim, but most were from Judah and Benjamin, like Apostle Paul was a Benjamite, okay? But Yahushua says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We'll talk about that uh, in our future studies. But Yahushua, our king, was looking for the lost tribes of Israel, the 10 tribes who were not there when Yahushua was here. When I say they were not there, the bulk of them were not there. Maybe a few here and there, but not the bulk of the house of Israel. And so when you, those who accept our King Yahushua, what becomes of them? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praise of, his, of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Apostle Peter knows Hosea, 
And he's using the verbiage of Hosea to identify those who can now receive the mercy of God, who can now become the people of God. Who are they? Those who now connect to Yahusha HaMashiach. So Yahusha HaMashiach is the key so that the tribes of Israel who were lost, they can return to Yahuwah God and have a covenant with him again. Yahusha is the king. So the people of Israel, they need Yahusha our king. And how does Apostle Paul connect Hosea and those who are called to belong to Yahushua? Romans 9, 24 to 26, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, as he says also in Hosea, he mentions Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There shall be called sons of the living God. And so when our King Yahushua was here to preach the gospel, right? There were those initially called of the Jews and the Gentiles. And so initially there were people who believed and who followed our King Yahushua. And Hosea's prophecy was partially fulfilled. This is why we have Acts chapter 2. Remember that passage? When the Bible says, and the promises to you and to your children. And those who are afar off, as many as our God will call. So there are more. There are more from the ten tribes of Israel who must return to our king. So that they can return to Yahuwah, our God. Was this also prophesied in Hosea? Yeah. In Hosea 1.11, then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head and they shall come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. This will take place when everything is completed. And so when we talk about the, pro the process of restoration, it includes the restoration of Judah and Israel as one kingdom. This will take place on the day of Jezreel, the day of Yahuwah, which is the days of the millennium. That's when it's going to be united again. And Yahusha will bring the other children of Israel together. And so before this happens, what must happen first? Hosea 3, 4 to 5. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or idol. Afterward, the Israelites, the Ephraimites, right, will return and seek Yahuwah their God and David their king. But this David is not David uh, that was the king, the second king of Israel. No, this is a new David. This is the son of David. Who is that? Mashiach. They will come trembling to Yahuwah and to his blessings in the last days. And so... We will see this bringing together, this gathering of the 10 tribes of Israel, okay? That will come together to seek Yahuwah, and they will come together in the name of our King Yahusha. They will accept Yahusha as their Messiah. That's what's outlined in just chapter one of the book of Hosea. And so it begins when we look at the names, right? Yahuwah judges Israel, and so God sows, and the result of that is no mercy, not a people, okay? So when Yahuwah 
decides to put an end to the kingdom of Assyria, what happened to the people of Assyria? What happened to the people of Israel, the 10 tribes? Some went to Assyria and some were sent to a different place. God sowed, God sowed the 10 tribes in a different place. Why? So in the future, what do you do when you sow something? What do you do when you sow something? You're going to reap, right? You're going to have a harvest. You're going to gather the crops. You're going to bring together the crops. And so when Yahuwah God gave all these names of the children of Hosea and Gomer, it was prophetic, not only of the punishment of Israel, but also the redemption of Israel. Because he sowed, of course, he will also what? Reap, right? This is why it tells us of what Yahuwah God will do through Mashiach. God will reap. And so when he reaps, he will reap, of course, people. People is what he will bring together and gather. People are what he will reap. And once they are reaped or gathered together, what shall become of them? They will receive mercy. And they will become a people. They will become the sons and daughters of who? Yehovah God. Do you see where I'm getting at? Right? When did this bringing together? Or gathering take place. And where did it start? Isaiah 43, 5 to 6. Fear not. For I am with you. I will bring your descendants. Speaking to Israel. Descendants from the east. And gather you from the west. I will say to the north. Give them up. And to the south. Do not keep them back. Bring my sons from the ends. From afar. And my daughters from the ends of the earth. You know though, that word afar. That's referring to the Ephraimites. Who were sent out by Yahuwah God. Because he sowed them in a place. And we're going to find out what that place is. Because when we find out where that place is. Where Yahuwah God sowed the Israelites. We will know where. And the significance of Isaiah 43.5-6 will be. This is why we need to identify did Yahuwah God sow the Israelites in the islands of the sea in the Far East? I believe so. And we're going to prove that in our BHP this Thursday. Okay? Which is why it's connected to the celebration of our election. We will have a special worship service. And we will go back to Yahuwah God's plan that was even outlined in the book of Hosea. Completed in the book of Isaiah. And it's taking place today. Today. Yahuwah God's hand is at work. And it's being completed because everything's being restored. Including the name of Yahuwah God. You see, when Yahuwah God sowed the Israelites in Hosea chapter 8. It mentions the Israelites who were sowed in this land. They will forget their heritage. Because they will be swallowed up by the Gentiles. The way of life. They will, they will forget their heritage of being Hebrew. Of being Israel. The time will come when their heritage of being Israelite will be restored. Including the feasts. And especially the name of Yahuwah our God. This is why Isaiah 43.5-6. It has special meaning to all of us. Especially verse 7 of Isaiah 43. And we will celebrate 
and we have our special worship service. But in preparation for that, we do hope that you will attend the Bible History Project's next two episodes because it will tie everything together. And we will have a meaningful observance, a meaningful and very deep understanding of Isaiah 43.5 down to 7 because we know what Yahusha is doing is gathering now, gathering now the Israelites, the Ephraimites who are from different places to become his sheep so that we can serve Yahuwah, our God. Yes, Yahuwah God punished Israel, but remember his love. Yes, I will punish Ephraim, but I will bring him back. In fact, that's the final message of Hosea. In Hosea chapter 14, the final chapter of Hosea, Yahuwah God says, I will bring back, I will bring back these people who, because I sowed them, I will bring them back. And he does so, beginning in Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, and completed in verse 7. But we are in this ongoing work of Yahuwah's restoration. Let's be a part of it. And for us to be a part of it, there's something we need to show Yahuwah our God. And what is that? Before we part ways, let's read the final passage of our studies, Hosea 11, 1 to 4. Do you know how much Yahuwah God loves us? Those who belong to Israel, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. This is Yahuwah God, and he's speaking about his firstborn, Ephraim. Israel, how much he loves Israel. I called him my son out of Egypt, Yahuwah God says. Yahuwah taught him how to walk, leading him along the hand. But the more he called to him, the more he called to Israel, the farther they went. Brothers and sisters, when we meet together for worship, let us draw near to Yahuwah Abba. Because he's waiting for us to return to him through his son, Mashiach, Yahusha Mashiach. Let us show to Yahuwah Abba love, the best way that we can show love. Let us show to Abba our thankfulness and our gratefulness for being called, especially in these last days in his work of salvation. Let us express our affection, our love for Yahuwah God as we celebrate our election together when we meet together for worship. Brethren, let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, yes. almighty and gracious Yahuwah Abba, yes. Thank you so much for making very clear to us yes. your work of salvation in these last days. Amen. We know it is the work of bringing together your yes. people who will proclaim your name in the name of your begotten son. Yes. The prophecies are crystal clear. Yes. We know that you love your people and we want to show you that we love you as well. Amen. Father, teach us to learn your precepts. Yes. 
help us to respond to your call. Yes. When you look for your people, may we be able to say to you, yes. Father, here I am. Embrace us, O oh loving Abba. Yes. We cannot live apart from you. Yes, yes we know you were a just and holy God. Yes. exercising righteousness and justice. Yes. But we also know that your love never fails. Yes. This is why you sent your only begotten son, yes. that through him and by him, we can be brought back to you in covenant yes. and we can be your people receiving mercy once again. Amen. Father, help us that, that we will show you by means of our speech, Yes. especially our deeds, yes. our love for you, loving Abba, yes. especially on the days when we gather to celebrate our election. Amen. Yahusha, our King. Yes. Thank oh, you Lord. so much because we belong to you now. Yes. We know that every day you look after us. Yes. We are your sheep. When any of us are wounded, you are quick to help us. Yes. You attend to our wounds and heal us. Yes. Please, loving Mashiach, remember your people today yes. as we prepare for your great work in these last wow. days. Father, bless the assembly of Yahushua. Yes. Help us to continue to proclaim your teachings. Yes. Help us to overcome persecution yes. and teach us to walk by faith and to express true love coming from Amen. you. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. Yes. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.